Welcome to the Strawberry Jam Sessions, brought to you by Victorian Strawberries. I'm your host, Simone Austin, accredited practicing dietitian and lover of all things strawberry. Each episode will bring you a punnet full of goodness to help you make the most of Victorian strawberries. So let's get to it. And today I'm delighted to say I have with me a colleague and friend that I actually trained with, which is Emma Sterling. Welcome, Emma. Thanks, Simone. Great to be here. And before we get into it all, I do want to tell our audience a little bit about yourself because you've had a really interesting career. Emma Sterling is the Director of Scoop Nutrition, Consultancy and an Academic, specialising in food science, gastronomy and culinary nutrition. Emma is recognised as an innovative, entrepreneurial and leading dietitian. And at Australian Catholic University, she's the National Culinary Nutrition Science Practice Lead and course coordinator of the exciting new graduate certificate in culinary nutrition science. And I probably should add there as well, Emma, that I know that you have written a book and your textbook, which is certainly something to be very proud of as well. Yes, thanks, Simone. Yes, that's called the Understanding the Science of Food. So, um, uh, for all of our food geeks out there that love a copy, it's um, ebook and hard copy textbook. Fantastic. So, I'm pleased to have you here, and I because I really I want to know. Even as a dietitian, I'm thinking, what do I really mean about culinary nutrition? So, what do we mean when we say culinary nutrition? Yeah, look, I think that's a really great um, place to start, and I mean. It'll be interesting to get your thoughts as we as we chat today because you and I trained together, you know, 30 years ago, really, nearly yes. as dietitians. And so times certainly change in our profession, uh, in the field of nutrition, and also in the way that we train uh, new students as well. So culinary nutrition is quite a new terminology in our area, and it's shaping up to be what we call an interprofessional practice. It's actually where experts from lots of different walks of life or many who are completely passionate and have skills in food, come together for nutrition solutions and very hands-on, very practical solutions. So culinary nutrition professionals might be a dietitian or a nutritionist, or but they could be a chef or a cook or a home economist. They could also be in other types of health professionals, and particularly we're seeing out of the US a big interest in, in, in doctors in this space in what we call culinary medicine. So the terms culinary medicine, culinary nutrition, teaching kitchen, these are all kind of new phrases in our area of studying nutrition and training in nutrition and practicing in nutrition. And actually at ACU, Australian Catholic University, we're as part of a a global research group looking at um, publishing a paper hopefully later this year and actually defining these terms so that we can all um, speak about uh, the things with a common language moving forward. But for our listeners out there that just love food and, you know, love beautiful yes. <laughs> Victorian strawberries and all our gorgeous produce, which is yeah. just like me, think about, think about combining all the great science that we know about nutrition with the creative flair that chefs have in the culinary arts. Think about merging those together for practical solutions. And, and that's not just a cooking class with people. That might be through supply chain innovation or recipe development or just changing the eating environment in a school canteen so ki- kids are nudged towards, you know, eating the strawberries first. Yeah. yeah. And I just think that's so important, the fact what you said there was bringing of the different disciplines together yeah. because I think that's probably, when I think about it as a dietitian, there probably just hasn't been enough focus of that culinary part and the nutrition coming together because, yeah. you know, if we don't 
enjoy our food and love how we eat it, the nutrition part is much harder to follow. Food is so much more than the nutrients that it provides, isn't it? It's all the the taste and the traditions and everything that comes to it. And we can bring those things together. It's not a chef versus a dietitian. It's how that it all goes together. And I love I love that. It's definitely collaborative-based work and in, into professional practice, yeah. 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 And I also just remember back at university, it often wasn't the favourite part of dietitians to be doing food service. But it's so because... It, we now it's much more interesting because we bring that love of food and that That's passion right. of how the food tastes. And as you said, from supply chains and understanding how that works and bringing it together. Yeah, so lot, lots of new kind of um, areas of expertise and competency and, and, and understanding that, you know, if you want to work in a particular space, you know, collaborate with a chef if you're a dietitian. You know, w- get the bo- best of both worlds and, and partner together um, for those solutions. Yeah. yeah. Does matter. And if you, even if you're someone who's working in aged care or if you have a relative or a family member in aged care, it can be thinking of those two things together. The nutrition and the culinary have to come together for people to actually eat the food, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. You've talked a little bit about what you love doing now, but what got you really interested in dietetics and wanting to be <laughs> and then move on to this part, specialise in this part of dietetics? Yeah, so um, Simone, you probably remember back to our student days, you know, we all came with different passions to and I suppose triggers that got us into studying dietetics. I was always drawn for my love of food. So, you know, I was always a food first or a food focused dietitian. I think I had the best of both worlds growing up. I, you know, I lived, grew up in multicultural you know inner city Melbourne we used to shop every week for our groceries not at a supermarket we would go to the South Melbourne market with my mum with the the embarrassing trolley and you know get all our lovely (laughs) you know domates and beautiful things but then I had parents that were teachers and we spent all of our very long school holidays on the farm in the country with you know these wonderful women providers with CWA cakes and roasts and the whole idea of loving your farmer and really understanding where your food comes from and I always was very privileged to have quite a bit of international travel growing up so that kind of idea of food first and I came into dietetics wanting to help people obviously find healthier solutions but I didn't I soon learned I didn't want to say go home and eat more vitamin c I mean you know what does that mean I wanted to say go home and eat a half a punnet of strawberries and do it this way and dollop it with this and or you know cook it this way and that that was the solution so I ended up um, having to get a lot of my professional development a little bit outside dietetics. I used to go to food festivals around the world or go to a cooking class in a remote remote location when I was travelling or speak to my chef friend. So I always was looking for other ways to upskill. And the dream is that now I've been able to, 30 years later, combine that into creating a course at ACU this postgraduate certificate in culinary nutrition science where I basically um, built my dream course that um, chefs or teachers or dietitians, we've got a lot of different people coming to do the course. It's wonderful. And you're obviously really, you said your family were teachers as well or your parents were teachers and so that's come through for you as well. And what do you like about teaching the students, you know, apart from obviously seeing them enjoy loving food, but um, yeah, look, I think, the, I think that? the days of the boring three-year-old, remember our old biochemistry lectures, yeah, <laughs> no, those yeah, days yeah. are long gone and the, you know, the yes. modern universities are shaking things up and, you know, there's online learning and all these different ways of being innovative. But what we find is that students are really drawn to hands-on authentic 
learning, whether it's in our teaching kitchens and we do big six-hour practicals where, you know, they really are immersed in hands-on learning or whether it's our food and culture study tours. I've just got back from Bali and we took 14 students deep into the villages in Bali learning about food and culture and also some of our postgraduate students. So some of our dietitians came on that trip. So, you know, being able to get your professional development hours <laughs> through a lovely international trip was just fantastic. fantastic. I'm signing up for next yeah, year for we, sure. Yeah, you must come. So, yeah, food's very much my love, love language and I love sharing my passion for food and I love seeing students respond to that. And, and I also get to, we have some top chefs working for us in our program as the culinary instructors. So it's actually a, a dream for me to teach because the students absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely. Just all those new innovative ways. And we can do some of that at home. I think, you know, if you think about, we'll use the strawberry journey as a way is that going to either pick some strawberries if you've got a pot in your garden and you don't need to have a whole patch you could have a pot um, or you could be going to a strawberry farm to pick them and then you're tasting them and eating them as you go and bringing them back and then you know what to experiment in the kitchen at home we can we can replicate some of what you're doing in the university in a smaller scale at home can't we Absolutely, absolutely, Simone. And I, um, most of my family are Western District um, farmers, and I've spent time with strawberry picking in Portland. So you know, always seeking out those opportunities for that food first knowledge. And culinary nutrition really starts with understanding where our food comes from and having what we call food, you know, really good food literacy. So understanding the different types of foods, how they're grown, how they're produced, their flavour profile, how they match with different other flavours in the culinary applications. And yeah, you can start this on a very small scale in your own family. And I think, yes, if people have got children out there, I think it's really important to remember that, um, just because a child might not like a food the first time or even as an adult, it doesn't mean that they're not going to like it forever. So it is what you said. It's really about learn, where did it come from? Oh, getting some curiosity and smelling it and feeling it and squashing it and the texture in your mouth. And I can remember my kids, you know, I hated sometimes mealtime because the mess everywhere. But, you know, it's all part of the learning, isn't it? And that that love of food. Absolutely. And particularly in young children, you know, we, we have that term neophobia, the fear of the unknown. And with food, you know, we know it's uh, particularly, you know, for toddlers, it can be, you know, 12, plus 13 plus times that they're exposed to a new food that allows them to then accept that food. So it's trial and trial again. But, you know, lead by flavour, lead with uh, food as as great pleasure. Be careful not to, you know, label foods good and bad. I mean, there's how, you know, there's nothing better than hand picking (laughs) a sun ripened strawberry from the vine when you're out, you know, in the countryside. I mean, that that warm flavour of of that beautiful, you know, really luscious uh, sweetness of the strawberry just kind of explodes in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And even as adults, I challenge our listeners to even find a food that you would like to like, but that you don't at the moment and just try cooking it in some different ways, smelling it, texture, and just eating it numerous times. And you, I think often you will then learn to like it. And I can think of avocados and mangoes and coriander that I didn't like because I didn't grow up with those. Yes. They weren't part of my mum being German. They weren't part of what we ate um, and being in Victoria. So, but I love them all now. So, and, and it was just repeated exposure to them. I think I challenge everyone to do that. Yeah. I mean, we are learning in culinary nutrition. We do a lot of flavour science in our course and teach a lot of around 
different multi-sensory perceptions of food and we certainly know that you know you mentioned just because you mentioned coriander there are people that will never really because yeah. yeah. different um taste profiles and genetically we have differences so yeah but certainly repeated exposure and certainly something that you didn't like as a kid go back and try it again as an adult and you know seek it out in a really interesting way with great flavors you might just be surprised you actually think oh I actually do do like that food and some I know that my partner, he tells me that some foods he didn't like because his mother boiled them to death. There were eight kids in the family. So I remember, imagine cooking dinner for 10 people in the household all the time. You can imagine that sometimes a pot would have been forgotten in the Brussels sprouts or whatever it might have been, could have been a little overcooked. Yes. So yes, and we- we've, we've washed, we've leached out a lot of the fantastic nutrients and all the flavour. And we know that those those flavour compounds change That and that's that, that cooking science that we're most interested in too, that food science of you know, what is the optimal cooking? That's what culinary nutrition is as well. What are the optimal cooking conditions for this particular dish or this particular ingredient? And I think one of them is, I know when I did some work with a chef, zucchinis, he said they should never be boiled because they're like soggy dishcloths. You should always <laughs> be roasting them or frying them. Or And I think the same is often with those sulfur-containing vegetables, isn't it? You think That's right. cabbage, Brussels sprouts and things, they're not going to be at their... They're best for most people if they're boiled. They're going to be nice. That's right. There's a point. There's a point of no return. <laughs> yeah. And would you say roasting because of the science of they're going to caramelize a little bit of the natural sugars in there to make them taste better? Absolutely, absolutely. We in our teaching kitchen in our first year program we do some char grilled Brussels sprouts. So we skewer Brussels sprouts and we you know char grill them and then finish them off in the um, combi oven and then do this incredible um, vinaigrette with honey that goes over the top of them so you're getting that sweetness as well to help mask the flavors and it, it, people say I've never tasted Brussels sprouts like this in my life before it comes like and I'm even just shredding Brussels sprouts into a, a, um, a salad you know there's many many different uh, having them raw is, is quite a beautiful way to have them as well tell me a little bit about strawberries because I know sometimes you know putting them in a salad is a good idea putting with balsamic vinegar can you tell me a little bit about maybe the the science behind strawberries yeah look I think that the thing we love about strawberries is obviously you know us as dietitians is the health benefits so you know nature is an incredibly wonderful thing it often shows us where the healthiest foods are by the color that it gives them and you know look at strawberries that beautiful um you know incredible rich red color that comes from those anthocyanins and uh the antioxidants so we know strawberries are you know, incredible way to help meet your fruit serves a day. And and they're actually incredibly versatile. So uh, I think we lend um, ourselves in Australia to strawberries on pavlova, you know, or strawberries with yogurt for dessert or strawberries on your breakfast cereal. But I really encourage people to think about strawberries in other culinary applications. They're fantastic in salads, can make beautiful coolies, you know, like a, a strawberry-based uh, sauce. And think about pairing that with other meat-based dishes as well. So, you know, something like um, a lovely roast pork with a strawberry coolie can go really well. Oh. So there's, you don't, you know, you don't always have to think about it just as a sweet application. There's all the savoury things. But the science around our berries uh, is just only going to get stronger. And we certainly are seeing, you know, everything from mind mood benefits to gut health benefits. You know, this, the research just keeps getting stronger and stronger. So certainly, particularly in the peak of season to enjoy our uh, Victorian strawberries is a great way to go. And I love the colour thing. I think it's a reminder for us to really try and eat that rainbow, isn't it? Sounds simple, but eat the rainbow for all the different good phytonutrients and things in there for sure. 
Okay, so at home, we're in our kitchen and we're thinking about uh, that family and getting the family on board. So this will be one of the, my last questions for you is not everyone's as passionate as us about nutrition and about cooking. Some people think it's a bit of a chore. So how do I excite people about, you know, getting there and having a go with their cooking and that culinary nutrition idea? Yeah, look, I think that we know that people are time poor. We know that families' dynamics are changing. The work balance is changing. We know that cooking skills overall are in in decline and people just aren't cooking as much for multiple, multiple reasons. So I think it's about finding times to keep cooking alive in your family and at the times that you can. So that might be taking time to make Sunday brunch with pancakes with, and get the whole family involved, particularly if you've got young children, lovely pancakes, you know, and strawberries and honey or maple syrup. Maybe it's maybe for you, most of those times you, you try and role model good behaviours around cooking is could be just beyond special occasions, you know, getting the family together around all your celebratory times around food. And not forgetting how wonderful our aunties and our grandmothers and all the other people, it tends to be women, but there's there's men too that are excellent cooks in the family, trying to think about projects that you might like to do together to document some of those recipes. So we're ah, very interested yes. in preserving our culinary culture. So you, there's some wonderful ways now you could collect a recipe from everyone in the family and put a cookbook together, publish that, you know, as part of a Christmas present for everyone. You could do a video record of your, most grandmas don't cook by recipe. They, it's a pinch yes. of this and a chuck of that. <laughs> Trying to document some of your family favourites is a really nice way to kind of keep involved in cooking. And, of course, you know, even if you're not just a food arranger, if you've bought, you know, barbecue chocolate at the supermarket and you've opened a bag of salad and you've chopped some strawberries on, onto yourself, that's fine. But be, be kind to yourself in, in this time poor world. That that's still great. But remember the power of the family meal. So we, we, a shared meal we call commensality. It's the practice of eating together. And there's so much powerful research about not just how good that is for your health, but also things like your your mind, um, your mindful eating, your mood, uh, the cohesiveness of your family, the way that you might role model good behaviours in your toddlers or in your younger children so that there's so much around the family meal. So, yeah, be kind, cook when you can, seek out help, but but also, you know, remember that a family shared meal is really important too. I think that's very good, yeah, be kind to ourselves. We can't always be, be uh, yeah, getting cooking up the storm. So last one for you, Emma, what is your favourite way to eat Victorian strawberries? Well, I absolutely love berries when they're in season and I'm, you know, filling up um, <laughs> all the time. I'm topping up strawberries multiple times a week when I'm out shopping at this time of year. Um, so I do have them, you know, breakfast and, as I say, I do have them often as snacks and desserts. But I do love them in that savoury application and one of my favourite flavour pairings, which is probably some might sound unusual to some listeners, is strawberries and balsamic vinegar. So you get that beautiful sweetness of strawberries. And this is common in Italian cuisine, but you have that sweetness of strawberries and that really sour tang from the balsamic vinegar. And colour-wise, it's a beautiful combination as well. So I think on, I saw on the website, uh, Simone, you have a burrata, so that beautiful Again, adding that creamy, lovely cheese to the oh, dish yum. as well. Yes. So you had a strawberries and burrata recipe on your website. So that would be my top tip this time of year. Serve that up as part of a, a summer brunch or lunch. Um, outdoors, our fresco would be the way to go. 
Lovely. I love that idea. Thank you so much for joining us, Emma. I think you've made me really hungry (laughs) and I'm going to um, spend some of my weekend in the kitchen. So thank you very much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Simone. Thanks for joining us at the Strawberry Jam Sessions. If you've enjoyed the Very Delicious podcast, please let others know by rating us wherever you listen to podcasts. And there's plenty more strawberry goodness where that came from. Simply head to bigstrawberry.com.au. Until next time, I'm your host and strawberry lover, Simone Austin for Victorian Strawberries.